At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through our message series, Soul Food, when a meal with Jesus was more than food, we'll unpack what Jesus has to teach us from the time He spent around the table. Here, in the ordinary, everyday sharing of a meal, we'll discover who Jesus came for, what it takes to be with Him, and how you and I can be changed by His greatness and grace. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9 this morning. Luke chapter 9. Um, you know, in my family, uh, this is the time of year that we call it it's birthday season and uh the reason we call it birthday season is because from now or from the end of march until the middle of june we celebrate five birthdays and so uh in june there's two birthdays and in may there's one in april there's one and in march there's one and so it's like this crazy season for the next few months of where we're celebrating birthdays and in my family we celebrate birthdays big like we we celebrate birthdays. And one of the ways that we do that is we always have a special birthday meal. So the person that has their birthday, whoever's birthday it is, they get a chance to choose the restaurant that we go to or the place that we go to to have our celebration meal together. And so it's an exciting time of being able to decide, you know, which we know some of my kids like Mexican, some of my kids like, like uh, burgers. And so it's always been this uh, jockeying inside the family to try to get the person that has their birthday uh, to try to get them to pick the place that they like instead of the person, you know, the birthday that's actually having the birthday. And so we celebrate birthdays really, really big. And when we go to the restaurant, it's a, a time not only to sing happy birthday and, and enjoy a meal together, we also give the birthday person this really awesome hat I was going to bring it here today, but I couldn't find it uh, this morning um, before I left. And so, but it, you have to just, just believe me. It's a super big hat that if you press a button on it, it sings happy birthday to you. And so it's the birthday hat that the um, person that gets, that's having a birthday gets blessed with or cursed with um, as they have to wear it to and from the restaurant and while they're there. And, you know, I, I love birthday meals because it gives us an opportunity to not only, like, to have a time of celebration but it also is, is a time for us to make memories. I, I can think of even the time that we bought that hat. It was uh, a lot, Karis's birthday, and we were driving from uh, Kentucky, where we lived at the time, uh, back here to Michigan, and we stopped at a Cracker Barrel on her birthday. And she was like, I don't know, maybe five or six years old. And uh, we saw it at Cracker Barrel, and we're like, we need to buy that hat. And so we bought it for her, and she put it on during that meal at Cracker Barrel, which is one of her favorite places, my favorite places too. Um, and she put it on, and, and that became the new tra tradition. We began that tradition there at that Cracker Barrel on the way to, to Michigan, and now it's kind of stuck. But birthday meals are an opportunity for us to make memories, but it's also an opportunity for us to carry out the mission that God has given us as a family. Right, as a family, one of the things that we do during that meal is we also pray for the person whose birthday it is. We pray a prayer blessing over them, that God would continue to keep them close, and God would continue to have them seek after him and to find him and, and all that. And so it's not just a meal that we have, but it's a time to celebrate and carry out the mission that God has for us. And this morning, as we, we come to Luke, 
And we're continuing our series entitled Soul Food. And as we're looking at this series, what we're seeing is how Jesus used the table, the setting of a meal to carry out his mission. How while he was here on earth, while he was God incarnate, we see that he's carrying out and he's, he's teaching and he's spending time with sinners. He's spending time with people that are distant from God and he's using meals to draw people to himself so that they may experience satisfaction in Jesus and they may begin to know him in a deeper way. And so today, as we're going to continue taking a look at how Jesus used meals to carry out his mission, we're gonna come to probably one of the most famous meals that we're going to see, that many of you probably already know. If you've spent any time in the church, uh, you'll, you recognize this meal. But what's amazing about this meal is this meal was not planned. Right? This meal was not, I mean, it was planned by God, but it was unplanned by everyone else there. It's as though God, in, 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 in an instantaneous way, saw a need and stepped in and provided for his people. And so today, as we look at this unplanned meal, there are some questions that I want us to wrestle with, and we're going to find the answers to. So we're going to ask the questions, but we're going to also get the answers to them today. The first question I want us to wrestle with this morning, is God enough for me? That's what I want you to ask. Internalize that. God, are you enough for me? The second question is can God truly satisfy me? So God, are you enough? And can you truly satisfy? You know, we uh, hear the, uh, the slogan from Snickers, right? Snickers is the candy bar that promises that it really satisfies. Really? Really? Like, does it really? Like, if you're hangry and you get a Snickers, is that really gonna satisfy you? maybe, maybe for like 10 minutes after you get the sugar rush and all that, but the problem is the Snickers is gonna run out, right? It's, it's never gonna fully satisfy. It might make you happy for a few seconds, but I'll tell you what, if you make your diet only Snickers, you're not gonna be satisfied. <laughs> well, you're gonna have some other problems. You might, you, you might get like, like diabetes, you might get something else, like things are bad. So Snickers is not the answer. So if you've been hoping that Snickers would really satisfy you, you're out of luck. So the questions are, is God enough for me and can God truly satisfy me today? Another way of saying that is, or another way of looking at it is, where are you going to find satisfaction in your life? Where are you going? Where are you looking to find satisfaction in your soul? Today, I want us to see as we look at these tough questions, I want us to be reminded that as we go through the trials and the temptations of life, sometimes we wonder or we find ourselves trying to find satisfaction or trying to find power to overcome sin or power to overcome temptation. We find ourselves looking in other places other than God to fully satisfy us. And today, as we look at Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17. And what we're going to see is that Jesus is enough to fully satisfy everyone who comes to him. Now, this is a bold claim. 
Jesus says, we're going to see here, that Jesus is enough to fully satisfy everyone who comes to him. I don't, I don't know about you, but like, it's easy for me to get spent. Right? There's only so much of me to go around. Right? I, I give to the church, I give to my family, I, I give here and I give there, and there, there's a limit to me. But I want us to be reminded today that Jesus is not like you and me. He is like you and me in some ways, but there are other ways where Jesus is not like you and me because Jesus is greater than you and me. There is enough of Jesus to go around. There is enough of Jesus to fully satisfy every person that has ever been given breath on this planet. Think about that. That's a lot of people. Right? From, the, from the time of Adam and Eve to the time right now, Jesus is enough to fully satisfy all of those people that have come, and Jesus is enough to fully satisfy everyone else that will come after us. Jesus is enough. And Jesus not only makes bold claims, right? He not only says that he's, and like in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a pretty exclusive claim. That's a pretty bold claim, but Jesus always backs up his claims. And that's what we're gonna see today. Maybe you're here today and you're looking at your life and, and you have been overwhelmed by circumstances. Maybe you've been overwhelmed as you walk through this season. Maybe you've got like big, huge health problems or maybe there's relational challenges or maybe there's financial struggles in your life right now and you're just like, you, you're like up to here with it. And you're really wondering, is Jesus really enough? And I want us to see that he is. Three ways that we're gonna see that Jesus truly satisfies us as an all-sufficient savior. The first thing that we're gonna see is that Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. Look with me in verse 10 of chapter nine. It says, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured, cured those who had need of healing. Now, I've got to give you, we're, we're like diving into the middle of this narrative, and, and I've got to get you up to speed because you've got to understand the backstory until we can fully jump in to know what's going on in this text. So what's, what's happening as, as Jesus is now spending time with his 12 disciples, what's happened prior to this in Luke chapter 9 is that Jesus has gathered his disciples and he has told them, now I'm sending you out. He, so he sent them out to go and to proclaim the kingdom of God, to go and cast out demons and to perform miracles of healing. And so that's what the disciples did. He, he like sent them out on their first mission trip. Now, this is interesting because what Jesus is doing here as he's discipling his disciples is he's changing positions as a discipler. First of all, remember when Jesus called his disciples, the first thing he said was, come and follow me. That's simply what he said. Not do anything, but just follow me. Come and watch what I do, see how I live, see what I teach, and just follow me. And now what Jesus is doing as a great discipler is he's transitioning from follow me to go do what you see me doing. Right, so Jesus, instead of being in front of his disciples, is now moving to the side of his disciples and saying, okay, you go do it. I'm here just in case the rails fall off, or the wheels fall off. I'm here with you. And so what's happened, he sent them out. 
And they go and they find great success. They, they go and they heal and they, they go and they proclaim the kingdom of God and they're excited and they come back to Jesus. And this is what's happening here in chapter nine is they've just now come back to Jesus from this amazing mission trip and they're spending time with him and they're excited. They wanna tell him all the great things that they saw, all the great things that they experienced, all the ways that they showed, they saw God show up in their lives. So they're super excited They return to him and they tell him all the things that they've done. And so what they're doing as a part of the plan is they want to withdraw. And they want to go to a deserted place called Bethsaida. And in the the gospel of Mark, what it says is is they're actually on the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus calls them close and they, they just want to spend time with Jesus. They want to debrief from the mission trip. But the crowd notices that Jesus is gone And the crowd sees Jesus on the water, and they go to where he's going. Now, in this scenario, what's been taking place now is we see the disciples are tired. They have done the work of the Lord, and now they just want to spend time with Jesus. They just want to have his attention, and they just want to spend time with him and debrief with him from the craziness of life. You can understand the disciples are probably feeling a little disturbed by this. They want alone time. But yet Jesus sees the crowd and sees the need and has compassion on the crowd. You see, Jesus is never too tired to welcome those that seek him. The the crowd had sensed a deep need inside of their hearts. They knew things were wrong. There were some of them that were lame, some of them that needed healing, some of them that were truly sick, not only spiritually but physically. And Jesus saw their need. And the disciples were like, come on, Jesus. We just want to spend some time with you. And Jesus is like, no, look at the massive crowd of need. And it wasn't as though Jesus had to to go like door to door and knock on people's doors to try and get them to come out. People were there desperate for Jesus. They were desperate to hear his teaching. They were desperate to see him. They were desperate to spend time with him. They wanted to be with him and the disciples wanted to be with Jesus. But you know, I was thinking this week, we were traveling, and I was amazed at um, how expensive gas is. Anyone else? Like, gas is expensive. I even got this app called Gas Buddy, and no one's paying me for this, so, you, you know. Gas Buddy is this, this neat app that, like, shows you where all the gas prices are and where the cheapest gas is and, and all that, and it's, it's a really neat thing. But as I was traveling this week and, and we are driving down the road, you know, I had this stark reality that there's a limit to my gas tank. Right, there's not an unlimited supply of gas. Like I can fill the dude up and spend like hundreds of dollars filling my gas tank up and I can start driving down the road, but guess what? I'm gonna have to fill it up again because there's a limit to it, right? It's not an unlimited supply. And in some ways, looking at that, um, the, the fact that the gas tank has limits, you and I also have limits, right? We can't continue to run at a pace 
that is unsustainable, right? We can't continue to give and to, to be given to all people at all times and all things. There's only so much of us to go around. And just like our gas tank is an indicator that our gas tank is not fully sufficient, our tiredness is also a God-given reminder that we are not all self-sufficient, right? That there is a limit to who we are and to what we are. And the gift of God is that we get tired because it reminds us, hey, guess what? You've got to stop. Like you can't just keep going. You are not all sufficient. You are not God. So we sometimes we feel tired. We come to the end of ourselves. And here's the beauty of that. When we come to the end of ourselves, we haven't come to the end of Jesus. Right, there is no end to Jesus. There is an end to you and I. And in every way, and we see this constantly in the disciples' lives. Right, we, we constantly see that in the disciples' lives and we constantly see this one truth in our own lives. In every way that you and I are insufficient, Christ is sufficient. Did you hear that? In every way that you and I are insufficient, Christ is always sufficient. We, our insufficiencies are to, they're given to us to remind us that there is a greater power that is in control over us and that we are in desperate need of that greater power because I cannot manufacture life. I cannot make life. I cannot give myself self-sustaining food by myself. I need a greater power. I need rest. But by coming to verse 11, we see that the crowds heard that Jesus left and they followed him out of town and Jesus welcomed them. You see, this shows us God, Jesus's, not his humanity, but we see his divinity. Is that Jesus is God and he is enough. And, and so after hearing all the things that the disciples had done and how they saw God step in and they, they were vessels of God to be used by God, they were his hands and feet, now Jesus is reminding them that, that he is the one that everyone needs. And Jesus sees the crowd and he's never too tired to welcome them. And I love this. This is when they welcomed him, he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and he cured those who had needs of healing. You see, Jesus not only takes care of our spiritual needs, Jesus takes care of our physical needs. And I don't know what kind of need you have this morning. I don't know if you, you've walked into this place with a spiritual need or a physical need, but what I want you to understand is Jesus is never too tired to be there for you. Jesus loves the call of God's children. He loves the cries of God's children and he is enough to meet all of our needs. Jesus is never too tired for the needy crowd. You see, when we consider the crowd, the crowd understood their need. They realized that there was something insufficient in their lives and they're coming to the source to try and feed that need or to fill that need. And Jesus is ready. But Jesus is also never too tired for the needy disciple. 
See, as we go through life, sometimes we get caught up in the, space of the, the, the pace of life. And as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, one that has given him our lives, sometimes we, we get tired and sometimes we forget that Jesus is there to care for our needs. Like sometimes we, we get caught up thinking that we got to take care of everything ourselves. And yet we don't give time for Jesus to care for that. Sometimes we get trapped in sin and we find ourselves addicted to some kind of sin and we think to ourselves, man, God's, God's too big. God's caring about the cares of the world. He doesn't have time for me, but he does. There's enough of Jesus for you as well. And so Jesus is never too tired to help those that are in need. Second, as we look at this passage, I want us to see that Jesus is never too powerless to provide for all who need him. Jesus is never too powerless to provide for those that need him. Look at me in verse 12. It says, now that the day began to wear away, and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countrysides to find lodging and to get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. (coughs) They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For, these, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and they had them all sit down. What I want us to see is that Jesus is never too powerless to provide for all who need him. This eager crowd that has followed Jesus has followed him into a, des- a desolate place. Bethsaida is, is not, in, not the hub of places. It's not the, the place that has a Walmart or anything like that. It is in a place that is far from anything where people can provide. And these people have been traveling. So they're not near their homes. They're not near their houses. And so they've just been following Jesus, desperate to hear from him and desperate to be healed by him. And now they've been there all day. Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been healing. And the disciples have been helping. They've been mixed up in this ministry all day long. And and the day is moving on. And so the disciples, sensing the situation, are trying to see the desperate need that is about to be before them and trying to come up with a practical way to solve the problem. You see, probably not only are the disciples tired, but now we also see that they're hungry, right? They're motivated by their own stomachs, which again, the the need of hunger is another gift from God to remind us that we're not self-sufficient, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like your hunger is a reminder that without eating, you cease to exist, and that you need someone or something to provide the food for you. And guess where all the food in the whole world comes from? God. And so when we eat, it's an it's a affirmation that God is greater than us. Think about that next time you sit down at a meal. Because remember, in the end, what does it say? There'll be no more hunger, no thirsting. There'll be no crying. There'll be no pain ever, anymore. That's in Revelation. There's coming a time where you won't need to eat, but right now you need to eat, and it's a reminder that you're not God. But God is God. And so the disciples now are in this situation where they're seeing this massive crowd of 5,000 men. Now, more literally, it's more than just men were there. More likely, it's 15 to 20,000 people are in the middle of this field, in the middle of nowhere. 
Now think about that. You're a practical person. You're a rational person. And you're now, you've now just been with Jesus and you see all this crowd and you're like, wait a minute, we gotta feed these people. Like, this is a problem. There's, there's not food around the corner, so what are we gonna do? And so the disciples, I imagine, they, they gather together and they're like, we gotta have a committee meeting about this. We gotta we got make a plan for this. And they're like, wait a minute, like, like this is impossible. We gotta tell Jesus, send these people home. They've got to have time because they've got to eat and they've got to find a place to rest and all of this. And so in their rational minds, they come up with this plan. Let's go to Jesus. Tell him to send people home. Have you ever in your life, as you've gone through the circumstances of life, questioned your provisions? Like, like, have you ever, like, gone through the scenario that you're living in, and, and, and may, maybe it's, like, one bad thing after another after another is happening in your life. Maybe you feel like right now in your life the world, is, you're just getting dumped on, and you're like, I just can't even get a break. Anyone feel that way? And you're, like, you're looking around at your resources. You're looking at, around at your provisions, and you're like, this is not sustainable. Like, this, this, this won't work. I, I, I don't have enough to deal with it. And so you find yourself trying to figure it out and you're in your mind, you're like over and over and over, I gotta come up with a plan, I gotta fix this. This, this is a problem, but we gotta fix this. How are we gonna fix it? And so you, you get to people together and you're like, I got this problem, how are we gonna fix it? And you come up with this plan and you're like, I, we gotta fix it. We'll send people home. Right, just, let's just send people home. Remove ourselves from all of the stuff so we don't have to deal with it. That's the only way. And our rational minds sometimes take over and we assess situations and we see that they are desperate and we see that our current progress is not sustainable and it causes us to freak out. Have you ever had one of those freak out moments? Right, you're like, this is overwhelming. That's how the disciples are feeling right now. They're like, 15 to 20,000 people are about to get really hangry. Right? And we're going to have a situation on our hands. we got to fix this. And so they go to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, send them home. Send them home. We just, it's just too much for us. And how does Jesus respond? I love this. The great master teacher with his disciples, he looks them square in the eye, and what does he say? Look at there. What does he say? You give them something to eat. You do it. Don't you remember, guys? Hey, you guys were just out. Like I told you, don't take anything, any provisions for you on your trip as I sent you out and you took nothing. And guess what? You got all your meals provided for. You were saved. You were teaching about the kingdom of God. You were healing people. People were uh, doing, you were doing amazing things. Like you just did all of that where you were relying fully on God. Every single step of your life, you were relying on God. And now something's happened. You've stepped back and like, don't you forget, like the full power and presence of God is right here with you. Like Jesus is like, I'm right here with you. Have you forgotten? He's like, you go give him something to eat. And we can still see that they're stuck in their rational minds because how do they respond? They're like, all we have are five loaves and two fish. Like this, they're like, this is the extent of our provisions. This is all we have is five loaves and two fish. He's like, <clears throat> Jesus, that's not how this works. Right, like that's not enough for 15 to 20,000 people. 
Like we don't have enough to fill LCA, uh, the Little Caesars Arena. Like uh, that's um, the amount of people that we're talking about here. We don't have enough. There's only five loaves and two fish. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus says, have them sit down. Just, just sit down. Like I got this. He's not scolding his disciples, right? But Jesus has compassion on the crowd. Not only they care for their spiritual needs, but now they have deep physical needs. And Jesus says, okay, just sit down. Do you ever feel overwhelmed with a life? Like where life comes to the point of being too much for you to handle? when you come to the end of yourself where you have extended your resources, where you've gone beyond your abilities to fix and control things? How do do you feel when you get there? Right, this last week, I was on, on vacation with my family and I'm so thankful for the time away, but there were like three nights in a row that I had the same dream. It was, it, it was a different like, scenario, but it was like basically the same dream. The first night, there was a dream of something that needed to get fixed. And I don't remember exactly what needed to get fixed. But I knew that I needed these, these items to fix it, and then I needed the time to fix it. And in my dream, I'm constantly trying to find the things and then trying to find the time. If I, I finally get all the things that I need, and then I don't have the time to do it, and I'm constantly in my mind, like in this loop in my head, trying to fix this problem knowing what needed to be done, but having the inability to do it. And then the next night I had another dream where um, we had pulled into, we were going to some event and I had pulled into a uh, parking structure. And on my phone, you know, I marked the location of the, of the car and I made sure the doors were locked and all that and everything was fine. And then throughout the night, I find myself trying to find my car again. Right? First of all, I can't find my keys to the car. So I'm traveling through this, this building trying to find the keys. I finally find the keys, and then, then I go to my phone, and I'm trying to open up my phone to try and find the location of my car, and I can't get my phone to work. Right? For whatever reason, it won't power on. I keep trying to do it, and it won't work. And then I finally make it to the car, and guess what? I've lost the keys again. And so I'm constantly, the whole dream is super frustrating, and you, know, you wake up on vacation, you're like, oh, this is going to be rest and relaxing. No, I woke up every morning super frustrated. <laughs> I was like, this is not how this works. Like, I'm supposed to be on vacation. And it wasn't until Thursday morning, I was spending some time with the Lord. And it's like this passage that I've been mulling over in my heart and my mind. And God was just like, Gently, quietly in my soul, saying, hey, with the circumstances that you're worried about in your life, stop. Stop it. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to micromanage your life. I know you've got problems. I know these circumstances. I'm giving you these circumstances so that you understand that you're not self-sufficient. Like, have you ever thought about that for a moment? God gives you problems in your life. God gives you circumstances that are bigger than you can control. You know why? Because he wants the opportunity to show up and be God so that you don't think that you are. And man, that was a spiritual slap in the face. And I just said, okay, God, all right. I just give it, I give it all to you. Thursday morning, gave it all, I gave it all to him. 
And, I, and everything's not fixed right now. It's not like, like I gave it all to him and magically everything's fixed. But I'll tell you, I have a peace about it now. Okay, God, I know that you're in control. You've been there for me in the past. Every single time I've had big situations in the past, you've always taken it. And I know you've been faithful in the past. And I know you're gonna be faithful again. So maybe... I don't know if you're like me, but every time I come to a passage of scripture like this, I always try to find who, who, who I am in the story. Do you guys do that? Right. First of all, if you ever do that, you're never Jesus. So don't ever put yourself in Jesus's. You're never Jesus, right? So, so maybe like a lot of times we come to this passage and if you're like me, you put yourselves in the position of the disciples, right? We put ourselves in the position of the disciples, Right? And that's what I normally do. I'm like, okay, God, what do I need to learn as your disciple that I can trust you with the big things and, and you're bigger than me and you always will provide and this and that. Yeah, that's it. But what if we see ourselves as the crowd? What if that's the position God wants us to take this morning? The crowd was desperate. The crowd had super big needs and guess who the only person they were looking to? They weren't trying to fix it like the disciples. The crowd trusted fully in Jesus, fully. They were like, okay, if we're here and we starve, we starve. If we're here and we got no shelter, we got no shelter. But I'm here because I just desperately need Jesus. I'm not going anywhere because I desperately need Jesus. What if that is our position? Why, what if that is the way God wants us to, to look at this passage today? What if you are the crowd and you're not a disciple? Desperately needing Jesus not worrying about anything. They, the, the crowd wasn't trying to figure out how to feed themselves. They didn't form a committee. They didn't go make a ki kitchen team and a, a, scou a scou or scavenging team. They weren't doing any of that. They weren't creating a farmer's guild. They were just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. That's what Jesus says. All we need is Jesus. So Jesus just says simply, hey, hey guys, just... I got this, chill out. If you want to do something, go start getting the people in groups of 50. Like, because you, you got to do something, because you get, just get them in groups of 50. Okay, so go do that. So they go and they start getting the people in groups of 50. They get everyone to sit down. So do you find yourself today being like a disciple? Forgetting the fact that Jesus has promised to provide all of your needs? Do you forget that the God of the Bible is the God of today? Jesus and God have the power to allow the waters to be parted and like for God's people to go through on dry ground. You remember the provisions that God gave his people while they were in the wilderness. Every single day they woke up and they had manna and they had quail. And somehow God provided for them over and over and over again. God is not weak. God is powerful. And he's powerful enough to provide for all of your needs. Don't forget that. Third, I want us to see that Jesus is never too limited to satisfy all who hunger for him. Look in verse 16. It says, in taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken 
pieces. I love how Jesus, the great discipler, is in involved in every aspect of this passage. And we see that Jesus is the one that's powerful enough to satisfy. Just let me walk you through this real quick because I know that we're, we're up against the, the clock. But we see that what's happened is now Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. And what does he do? What does it say that he did? He took the toilet and he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. In essence, Jesus is, is praying or Jesus is speaking the words of blessing, speaking the words of life. This is the same creative power and the voice that was there at creation. Okay? So we know because of Colossians that Jesus was there at the moment of, uh, the moment of creation, speaking things into being also there with God himself. And so Jesus is, is using these words of blessing and he's speaking life into the fish, speaking life into the loaves. And what is he doing? Because he's a creator God, he's a multiplying God. By his very words, the disciples begin to get the loaves and the fish and they begin to take baskets and they begin to feed the people. And it's like there's this unlimited supply of food. A moment by moment as the disciples now are serving, they're in this position, their baskets never run dry. Imagine being there for a moment. We were like, wait a, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. I, you're going group to group in groups of 50 and you're like, all of this food, there's all of this fish. And look at how creative God is even in the end. There was enough not only to make sure that every single person was not just fed, but the word there is they were satisfied. Like their bellies were full. They could sit back and be like, oh. They were satisfied, right? And not only were they satisfied, but there were 12 baskets of food left over, one for each disciple. So that as they're there, they're like, wait a minute, all these 15 to 20,000 people just got fed and I've got my own basket of food for my constant reminder that God is big enough to supply all of our needs. Not only our needs, but he can truly satisfy us. This is the truth of the word of the Lord today. Jesus is different than the gas tanks in our car. There is no limit to him. He is unlimited. Jesus is never too limited to satisfy all who hunger for him. But the key thing there is we need to hunger for him. Each one of us are born with a hunger. You have a hunger. Your hunger is for satisfaction. The problem is, is that lots of times we look to the wrong source. Relationships aren't gonna satisfy you. A promotion at work is not gonna satisfy you. A bigger house is not gonna satisfy you. A better family, not gonna satisfy you. The only one that's gonna fully satisfy you is Jesus himself. And maybe you're here today and like you've lived an unsatisfied life. You've lived with this hunger inside of you and you've tried to fill it with so many other things and you've come up empty. I wanna challenge you today to consider Jesus. Put Jesus at the center of your life. Trust in him for everything and allow yourself to experience the same satisfaction that the crowd and the disciples felt on this day. Jesus is not here just so that we get by. Jesus did not just come just for your salvation. Right, right. Sometimes we, we come to the place where we're like, okay, I understand that I'm a rebel against God. I need someone, I need Jesus to save me from my sins. And then sometimes we leave Jesus there. 
And we're like, okay, I couldn't save myself, you saved me, but I got the rest of my life. I got this, Jesus. I'll check in when there's a problem. Right? Anyone do that? Like, I'm good until I, I'm good. I'm good, Jesus. I don't need you. Thank you for saving me. I don't need you. And then the wheels fall off, and then you're like, oh, GK, Jesus, I need you now. And then it's like, things are going fine, and then we only call on Jesus when we need him. Well, <laughs> remind you, you need Jesus for every breath. Every breath. Because even in your wisdom, you and I are still finite. I can't tell you the number of times that someone's come to me and they're like, hey, I've got this problem. Like, how can you help me? And I'll, I'll try to take in as much information as I possibly can. I'll assess the situation. And I'm like, okay, I think you should do this. You know how many times I'm wrong? You know how many times I'm wrong? A ton of times, right? Why? Because I am finite in my understanding. What people don't need, people don't need me, people don't need you. What people need are Jesus because he's the only one that can truly satisfy their need. So the question for you today, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for you today? If he is, follow him. How do we respond to Jesus? There are a couple ways we respond to Jesus. We come to Jesus for salvation. We come to Jesus like a desperate crowd. Jesus, we need you, we need you. We are desperate in our need for Jesus. And then we come to Jesus, the second way is we come to Jesus for satisfaction. Come to Jesus not only for salvation, but we come to Jesus for satisfaction every single day. Jesus, you are what I need. And so I don't know if you're here today like the desperate crowd, call on him, you can be saved. I don't know if you are are needing to be reminded of the satisfaction that only Jesus can provide, and you've been like a disciple. You've been trying to figure things out on your own and your own strength and power and your own rational mind. Lay it down and come back to him. Or, or maybe I wanted to remind you today that your call as being a child of God, as being a follower of God, is to live in such a way where you are inviting others to experience the saving satisfaction of Jesus. Like, like don't, be don't, don't forget that God has not just caused you here to give you here so that you can be saved, so that you can live life all onto your own, by yourself, for yourself. But God has given you life. He's given you salvation. He's given you satisfaction so that you can invite others to experience the same thing that you have. And especially like during this season where we're moving quickly towards Easter, people are open. People's eyes are open to see their desperate need. And just as though Jesus didn't necessarily go door to door, knocking on people's houses uh, for people to understand that they were desperate, people, were, people understood that they were desperate and they were looking for a savior. Everyone in this world is desperate and everyone in this world is looking for a savior. You don't have to go very far until you find someone that needs Jesus. But the problem is, is that they're not gonna know about Jesus until you take the time to tell them about the Jesus that you already know and that you've already experienced the salvation from. So I wanna encourage you, like during this time of year, like never before, like allow your spiritual senses to be open. Ask God to allow your eyes to see those who desperately need Jesus, and then you take the step in the power that God has given you, in the authority that God has given you, and you step out and you invite someone. Don't just invite them to church, you can do that, that's a great thing. 
but begin to invite them into this saving relationship with Jesus. If you don't know how to do that, come, come find me. I will share with you how you can walk with someone and how they can know Jesus. But especially as we're moving towards Easter, I want to encourage you to also be looking out for ways to invite people to come to church on Easter Sunday. Because on Easter Sunday morning, they're going to hear about the resurrected Jesus. They're going to hear about how Jesus takes the penalty of all the sin of the world on him. And he put to death, death through his resurrection. And through his own resurrection, we have the opportunity of experience enormous life. So here at Woodside, we've done a couple things for you. There's a table right out by the big TV out there in the lobby. We've got some invite cards that uh, lay out not only our Good Friday services, but our Easter Sunday service. I want to encourage you to go by and pick up two or three of those cards and then invite people with them. It gives you something in hand to say, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church. Would you come with me on Easter? It's a big step of faith for some of you. Some of you are like, I barely, I, I don't talk about my faith ever. Well, you should. We should, because we've experienced the only thing that really can satisfy our souls, and that's in Jesus. So today, as we, as we close together, let us be reminded that Jesus is enough. Let's live like it. Let's live trusting in him for all of our needs. And if you're here today and you're going through a difficult time and like you just need someone to pray with you, we do have a prayer team, a prayer ministry team that's available. During our closing song, you're welcome to make your way over there. There'll be someone there to meet with you and pray with you. Or you can always come to the altar and pray. Maybe there's just a time of confession that you need to confess. Or just whatever God's doing in your mind, let's use this time to respond to what he's calling us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words of truth today. We thank you for your words of life. And Father, as we see in a visible way today that you are powerful enough to provide for all of our needs, let us truly take that to heart. I know there are some here this morning that truly are struggling in life, that the circumstances of life have become so overwhelming that it's almost as though they feel like they can't get their head above water. That's a real reality that we know that you understand. And so Father, I pray today that in our frailty, in our weakness, we would look to you. And then maybe things don't get fixed right away, but that we see your faithful hand guiding us. So Father, help us to be aware. Help us to have eyes to see you and help us to have hearts that yearn for only you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.